Welcome to an inspirational message from Creekwood Church. We hope that you have an encounter with God and discover practical ways to help you live a life of purpose. Good morning. It is great to have you here this weekend. Hope you're having a great weekend. I want to take a moment and welcome those of you that are guests today. Let's give them a hand of welcome today. You know, as you can look around, we are packed. We are in overflow also, and this is a great opportunity for me to invite you to Saturday night service. (laughs) Do you know that if you come on Saturday night, you just get to sleep all day on Sunday? And Chick-fil-A is open on Saturday nights. But if you can, we would love to ask you to move to the, to the Saturday night service at 5 o'clock. And, uh, you know, this is a good problem to have. Amen? All of our services are growing, and we just love what God is doing. And, um, you know, if you're a guest with us this morning, um, we, we want you to know that, that it, it's... Um, it's special for you to be here, uh, and, and we wanna, want you to relax and, and enjoy this service today. And we, just as a small way of letting you know we appreciate you being here, uh, we would love to, to buy you lunch. And, and on your way out, stop by the Information Center, and they'll give you some gift cards to a great restaurant here in town. So thank you so much for being here today. You know, this is Palm Sunday, and uh, in, in churches all around Uh, the world, people are celebrating the significance of the beginning of Holy Week, which leads to the greatest event, the greatest moment that humanity has ever faced and ever experienced, and that is the salvation of our souls. And the moment that Jesus Christ hung on that cross and then later on was raised from the dead, and uh, we we as a church... um, Man, uh, are so excited about what God is going to do this next week. And uh, this week is all about preparation going into the Easter weekend. And we are going to be having three, three identical um, or, or six services over three days, uh, starting on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And uh, we're super excited about this. But, you know, um, Palm Sunday is is really, like I said, it's a big deal, and it is the moment that Jesus Christ entered into Jerusalem, and uh, it was the beginning moments of him heading to pay the ultimate price, and that was to give his life for our sins. And so um, I want to share just a few moments with you if you've got your Bibles and want to go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. Um, First... first, um, John chapter 4 verse 9 is the scripture that I want to read to you in just a few moments. But, you know, when you think about and your mind goes to, to Easter and what it means, and I know a lot of you are already getting ready and, man, you're like, man, I want to get a new outfit or, you know, we've all got different memories about what Easter is about. One of the things that I love about Easter is you get to eat all the candy you want. Y'all know I don't have a sweet tooth. I have sweet teeth. And I love, I look for any excuse to eat candy, and I love the food that is associated with Easter, and all the, just, man, getting family together and all that is, is, a, is a special moment. But you know what, what happens, though, is, is in the midst of all that, sometimes we forget what this is really all about. And as I said, as we prepare for that, I, I believe that one of the most powerful things we can do is really bring our focus in on why it is that Easter happened. 
And I would say to you the number one reason why it happened, it is because our God loves us. This is always and always will be about love. It is the love of a God that is crazy about humanity that sends his only son to die on the cross. And the symbolism of the cross that when Jesus Christ was was going up and paying that ultimate price and, and going through the agony of the sacrifice of giving his life, it was all about communicating to us is that nothing can separate you from my love. That's the kind of God we serve. That's exciting, amen? I mean, that is exciting to know that we are loved that much. Easter is about us understanding and reminding ourselves that God paid the ultimate price to show us that he loved us. In fact, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, it says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is how God showed his love to us. And you see that when Jesus Christ appeared here on this planet, that from from the very moment that his ministry began, he was all about loving people. It was what drove him to do what he did. And you see this even in the moments that um, he says this in John chapter 13, verse 34. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this will everyone know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Basically, what he says this in this commandment, he, in the greatest commandment he says to us is that he says, you understand how much I love you and how much I care about you and what I've done for you in the same way that I've loved you. I want you to go love people. With that same kind of crazy kind of love, I want you to love people. And the early church grabbed a hold of this, and they lived this out. Church history tells us that the beginning of the church, the church just took off like crazy. The growth of the church was incredible. Why? Because the church was full of believers and people that loved people. In fact, uh, they would go out and they would love people that nobody else loved. When there were plagues and, and people were sick and the people in the city would push the people out of the city and there, there were sick people out in caves and dungeons, all these different places, the sick, pe- the sick people were being taken care of by Christ followers. Christians had a reputation for loving everyone. This is how the church began. This is how the, the, it was like Jesus passing the baton on to us as Christ followers when he said to humanity, he said, the same way that I have loved you, I want you to go out and I, wanna, I want you to spend your life loving people. I want your faith as a Christ follower, everything about you needs to be. The greatest thing that I want you to do is I want you to love God and I want you to love people. Do you know that that's easy to forget? That a lot of us, what we do is we find ourselves in church and we have 
mastered the art of loving God, but we oftentimes don't love people. Aren't there people that just get on your nerves? I'm not talking about your family, but I'm talking about there are people that you're just like, those people are like, it's crazy. And it's so easy to even begin to believe that church is supposed to be about us. And what, what you see is, is that, do you know that it wasn't easy to be a Christian in the early days? The church didn't grow, again, because they had great worship. The church didn't grow because it was easy. In fact, they were persecuted. It was not easy. It grew because they loved people. Their central focus was the mission that Jesus came, and that was to love people. And what happens in the church is we forget this. I love what Erwin McMahon is talking about this and this dynamic of what has happened in the church. And he says this in talking about why the church in America is in decline he says this, Erwin says this, he's an a, a author and pastor, uh, pastors a church called Mosaic, and he writes this, he says, we are in an era in the church in America that is more self-indulgent, more self-serving, more spiritually narcissistic than the church has ever been. In other words, what he is saying is all over the country, people gather for themselves. In other words, church has become about us. And I want you to hear me today, and I pray that this, if you don't hear anything else that I, that I say today, is that Jesus Christ did not climb up on a cross for us to just have good church services. He did not pay the ultimate price with his life to save the world for us to just be able to say, we gather together in a church full of Christians. Do you know the church is the only institution that was created for people that don't go there? I know that comes as a shock to some of you because you thought the church was for church people. But the church really is for people that don't come here. That the mission and the heart is we carry on what Jesus Christ came. The mission that he came, the thing that drove him to the cross, the thing that, the thing that, that caused him to die and to be raised up in power is to show and communicate to the world that no one is beyond my love. And he has empowered the church, all of us, to grab the baton and say we will carry that same kind of love. When we are overwhelmed with the thought of how much God loves us, we in turn go and say, I'm going to show this crazy kind of love to people. And I'm just going to say this to you is that it is so easy to forget this. And that where we, we begin to believe that, that church, again, is supposed to be about us. And we are already thinking about Easter and we're thinking about, man, we want to celebrate this. And it's just about us. And we show up. And, and I know this is going to offend some of you, but I'm okay with that. But we show up today and a lot of us have the attitude of God, God, ought, to, God ought to be happy because I did him a favor to show up at church. I could have stayed home. I could have done a lot of stuff. 
but I'm here. And church has just become about us. And it's just become about us. Aren't you glad you came to Creekwood today? <laughs> Some of y'all are like, ooh, this is heavy. I, I, we got to get ready for Easter. And listen to me, what, what happens is, is, is that it becomes about us. And I, I want to show, show you something that I believe is one of the biggest barriers to us loving like Jesus Christ loved. It's when we begin to, to make this all about us. And we have the side that this is all of us and this is them. And they're over here. And this is us. Those are those people over there. You know that what happens in our faith and a lot of us as Christ followers, and listen, we've all been guilty at one time or another. We become masters at being side takers. We're all about what side we're on. Just go look on Facebook and see how people throw up on Facebook trying to prove their side, trying to communicate to the world about this is us and this is, this is those people over there and all of y'all are messed up. And this was infiltrating even in the early church. It started to be, and this is why, you go read it, the, the the religious people were already trying to pick sides. This is why they got so mad at Jesus because do you know that people that were nothing like Jesus, the Bible says that were sinners, they loved being around Jesus. And this made the religious people mad because they were all about, it's about sides. And you forget that this is about love. And you start to think that the greatest mission of your life is to show and communicate that it's about sides. And Jesus attacks this. And you see in a story that I want to highlight to you because this does unbelievable damage to your ability to love if you fall prey to this cycle of being a side taker. And Jesus attacks this idea. And I want to show you this scripture in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Um, the Bible says this. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, he said, let's go over to the other side. If you highlight or underline your Bible, the other side is important. When Jesus says, let's go over to the other side, you continue to read this passage, and I'm not going to read the entire passage for the sake of time, but I encourage you to not take my word for it. Go read about it. This was a big deal. When Jesus says, let's go to the other side, he was re referring to Decapolis. It's a region, an area that was just, uh, um, the, uh, it was the other side when he says, let's go over to the other side, he's telling them, let's go to Decap Decapolis. And this was a place, an area that was full of pagan, uh, uh, pagan uh, uh, worship. There was, um, it was just it's sin city, um, pagan temples, cults that exalt sexuality and violence. It was, a, it was just a nasty place. And to any Jew 
going to that side was just unheard of. This is the place that they believed Satan lived. They were looked at this place as a dark place, as evil, oppressive, demonic. And Jesus says to them, see, you got to understand, Jesus has got this incredible ministry. There's crowds all around him, following him. The disciples are high-fiving each other because they're going, man, the church is growing. We're so excited about this. Man, high-five. And they're pumped about it. And Jesus, out of nowhere, says to them, let's go to Decapolis. Let's go to the other side. And they're like, what? You want to go to the other side? The other side, this horrible place. That, do you know that, in fact, uh, at the entrance of Decapolis, there was this huge arch, archway and engraved in stone, it said, what happens in Decapolis stays in Decapolis? That's a lot funnier than y'all are laughing today, but it's okay. <laughs> I made that up. It's not in the Bible. Some of y'all are like, Las Vegas copied that from the Bible? No, it's not in the Bible. He says to them, boys, let's go to the other side. And they're not wanting to go to the other side because they're just like, like us. That they're like, you know what, this is my side and there's this other side. And again, it's so easy to fall in to start being a side taker where you start to believe that, you know, there's people that matter and there's people that don't matter. And I'm on that side and I'm not on this side because those people over there, you know, they, they, they're just, they're crazy. They don't matter. I know it's not politically correct to say that, but you think it in your heart, is that you just kind of go, well, I'm on this side over here, and, 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 you know, the Baptists think they're on the right side, right? And, and they look at the Catholics, and they're thinking the Catholics, man, those people are messed up. All they do is sit around drinking. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Y'all don't get offended. Come on. Y'all play. Laugh a little bit. The Catholic look at the Baptists, and they're like, you know what? Those people are wrong. And I'm on my side, and, they're on, and, and we're all about taking a side. And we're proud of it, and we, we pride ourselves in saying, I'm on this side, or I'm on that side. I'm right. And, and those people over there are wrong, and I'm on this. And we, we work hard at making sure people know what side we're on. We're, we're looking for, we're, we're like, I, I, I'm on the side of, man, the good people. There's the bad people. They're on that side over there. I, I'm like, you think about like, let me go back over here. I'm, um, I'm on the good side. You know, and, and the bad side, the ungodly people are over here, and they... they <laughs> And we're going to have special prayer at the end of service for these people over here. <laughs> You're coming to the altar. And we're all about the sides. And that's just how it goes. You're looking and you're going, this is my side and that's their side. And I go to church. Those people don't go to church and this is my side. 
There's non-lovable people, and, and then there's the people that are lovable. And I'm on each, this is my side. And we just kind of drift down the slippery slope that our faith becomes all about what side we're on. Some of y'all are like, ooh, he's going there. <laughs> and we're like, I know my side. Look, it's just coincidence that the Democrats are over here. Some of y'all are getting, de- Democrats in here are getting them. Don't get mad at me. But we're all about our side. And we think the greatest mission of the church and as Christ followers is for us to beat the drum to the world. This is all about our side. And we're side takers. And we're more concerned and more consumed with taking a side than we are about showing the love of Christ. You know that the love that he had for this world that drove him to get up on a cross and be nailed to that cross? Do you think that God did that and gave his only son for us to be side takers? This right here, taking sides, it's what I believe is destroying the church. And this is what Jesus is trying to attack with the disciples. And he takes them to the other side. And they get to the other side. And it, it's, it's kind of funny. I, I, I don't know my, my sense of humor. Those of you that know me well, I, just, I see funny. And sometimes y'all may not see funny. I just see funny um, when I read the Bible a lot of times. I can imagine the disciples, they just left a huge crowd. They get on the boat. Jesus says, let's go to Decapolis, this crazy place. They get there. There's only one guy showing up at the beach. And he's crazy. He's a freaky dude. He's a freaky guy that is screaming, that lives out in the, don't miss it. Go read this. He cuts himself with rocks. He screams at the top of his lungs. How would you like for him to be your neighbor? You'd be like, this guy cannot live in my cul-de-sac. He's kicked. Nobody wants him in their neighborhood, so he has to go live in the cemetery. This is the guy. This is the reception committee that is waiting for the disciples. I think it's funny because I think the disciples are in the boat with Jesus. They pull up on the edge, and they see this guy screaming, and they're like, Jesus, see, we told you we shouldn't have come over here. I told you. We need to stay on our side. What are we doing over here? This guy's crazy. And the Bible tells us some of the most powerful words that it just, you see how tormented this man is. Do you know that there are people in our world that are tormented? That you may think that the way they are, and you're like, those people are just idiots. And it's, it's because they're being tormented. And listen to this man that he says, he shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus? Son of the most high God, swear to God that you won't torture me. 
For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission. And the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank in the lake and were drowned. This is one of the weirdest stories. You're like, why did it have to be about the pigs? Like, don't you want to just call PETA on Jesus and report him? These poor little pigs, they all die. But this man is changed. This crazy guy is changed. The Bible tells us he's all of a sudden in his right mind and puts clothes on and he's going around and the people in the community hear about the 2,000 pigs that died and this guy is going around normal, the guy that was a freaky, crazy dude that's going around. Now he's changed and they're, they're, they're fearful of it. They see this and they just, all they see is the power of God that has changed a man and they actually tell Jesus to leave. These guys, they're so fearful of all of this. They're like, Jesus, would you just go? Because you can't, like, would you just go? And the Bible tells us in verse 19 that Jesus getting into the boat, Mark chapter 5, verse 18, excuse me. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him which I can understand, this guy has been changed and he's like, I'm a new person. I don't like all these people. Jesus, would you just let me go with you? And Jesus did something crazy. He did not let him go. And I think that this is again funny to me because the disciples probably going, thank the Lord he can't go in our boat because he might relapse. (laughs) You know, we're getting out in the middle of the water and, you know, he might relapse. Isn't it true that sometimes, you know, some of your closest friends that God has changed their life, you're like, you know what, I'm glad God changed your life, but you just kind of stay over there. I don't want to be a close friend with yours because I don't trust you. And we don't truly embrace people the way Jesus embraces people. But Jesus had a purpose for him staying. Jesus gives him instruction, and he says to him, he says, go to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he had, has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Now, there's something about this story that a lot of us don't really realize, because, um, and, and I want you to get this, because it's very easy to read through this story and not really get this point in the story. Because what happens here is that the first time, understand, the first time Jesus goes over there with the disciples, what happens? The only welcoming committee he has is one freaky guy. Freaky Freddy is there, and he's standing there, and he gets, he gets saved. If your name is Freddy, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> he gets changed. Jesus Christ delivers him. And what's crazy is the first time he goes over there, the crowd... Asked Jesus to leave. The second time Jesus goes back over there, the Bible tells us he goes back. Later on, the Bible doesn't tell us how long, but Jesus, 
goes back over there. And the Bible actually tells us in Mark chapter 5, verse 21, when Jesus had again crossed, this is the second time he goes over there, again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Do you know that this is, this is such an amazing moment because this is one of the most amazing responses. The second time he goes over there, Jesus gets one of the most amazing responses that he ever gets in his entire ministry. That people are all crowded around Jesus. They're wanting him to touch him. They're wanting, wanting Jesus to touch them, to heal them. They're so excited about Jesus. What was the difference from the first time to the second time? The difference was the guy that was changed went around telling people his story. And you know what started to spread around? The rumor was going around is that, you know what, this Jesus, this Savior that's full of power, he actually cares. And there's, not, I'm not being intentional having the Democrats over here. But he actually, he actually cares about the wrong side. Some, some of y'all are already getting mad at me. <laughs> if, again, if you're a Democrat, please don't get mad at me. He actually cares about the wrong side. He cares about us. The people in Decapolis are realizing that Jesus cares about us. He cares about me. Do you know that there's people out in this world that don't really believe that Jesus Christ cares about them? Because this is what's been communicated to the world is that, you know, there's two groups. There's the holy people and, and there's the sinners. And that's just the way the world looks at it and, and people in our culture look at it and we're all about trying to jockey around and we're going crazy trying to make everybody believe we're holy and we're, we know we're not, that we're all hypocrites. None of us are perfect. See, when Jesus came, he did something that was one of the most unbelievable things that anyone had ever done is that he came and he said, there's only one side. And he said, all of humanity, is, we're all sinners. And that no one is holy. This is why Jesus Christ had to pay the ultimate price to give all of us the right to be on the side that is forgiven. Jesus Christ, through his love, he showed us what it means to not have sides and what it means to say that the only side that he, the only place that he is at is he's on the side of he wants to offer everyone forgiveness. But see, as long as you are, are bound and determined about I'm a side taker and you're trying to figure out what side you are and you're trying to communicate that, you will be distracted and consumed 
with side-taking instead of consumed with saying, it is the grace and the love of God that reaches all people. And no matter where you find yourself, no matter what, what path you've taken in your life, Jesus Christ loves you and cares about you and wants to change your life. I want to give you just some real practical things today, just very quickly, if you want to write this down, of, of what it means to love people. Number one, you have to accept others the way that Jesus accepts you. You have to accept others the way that Jesus accepts you. This is going to come, I know some of you are going to probably laugh when I say this, and you're going to go, I don't believe that. But do you know that I believe that the Bible teaches us that as followers of Christ, we should be the most accepting people in the world. And the reason why we should be the most accepting people in the world is that it all starts with we have been accepted by God. The Bible tells us in Titus 3, 7, because of the grace, because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Now, I want to say this because a lot of times when you talk about that we ought to be the most accepting person, people as Christ followers that walked on this planet, people start to get a little confused and get nervous about this. And and I, I do want to say this to you. The big difference between acceptance, there's a big difference between acceptance and approval. You can accept someone and love someone without approving of everything that they do. Do you know that Jesus Christ accepts me and loves me, but there are things in my life that he doesn't approve of? There are people that I'm very close friends with that I accept and that I love, but I don't approve of their lifestyle. But that doesn't mean I can't love them and I can't accept them. This is where we get hung up because we're like, well, if I accept and I love them, it means I'm approving of them. And you're like, you know, somebody's got to convict these people. If I accept them and love them, who's going to convict them? Well, I would ask you this. Have you ever heard of the Holy Spirit? Have y'all ever heard of the Holy Spirit? Do you know that it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict people? And we get kind of nervous for the Holy Spirit. We're like, you know what? I know I'm not really a, a, a real member of the Trinity, but I could kind of be a junior member of the Trinity. And our world and our culture is all jacked up. Have you looked around lately at how messed up people are? And I need to help convict this world with the truth. Does that mean you don't ever speak the truth? Absolutely not. There are moments you're going to speak the truth, but do you know that if you speak the truth without loving people, you're just speaking in hatred. One of the most powerful things you can do is show people that are nothing like you that Jesus Christ cares about you. He cares about you. A lot of people don't believe it because they, they go, well, you know, Christians don't care about me. How do I believe that God cares about me? Romans fifteen seven says, accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you. Number two, the last area is believe in others like Jesus believes in you. Believe in others like Jesus believes in you. You know, there's, there's something powerful that happens in the human soul 
when somebody believes in you, when you don't even believe in yourself. You know, have you ever been around people that have messed up so bad that they don't even believe in themselves? And they can find every reason why not to believe in themselves? And you come along and you say, I believe in you. Not because you have willpower, not because I know you're going to pull through with your own strength, but I believe in you because I serve a God that a grave couldn't stop him from showing his love to us. That I serve a God that has changed my life. God's changed me so I can believe in you. You know, this Easter, in these coming days as we walk into Easter, I pray that your focus becomes so intense on who are you going to invite. Who is it in your life that needs the gift, this amazing gift? This wonderful gift of starting over. That you give him that gift of you saying, I believe in you and I, man, Jesus Christ wants to give you that gift of starting over. I, I want you to be praying for our services. I want to challenge you to pray for our services. I, I want people to experience Easter to experience God moving in their life. It's going to require us praying. I, I'm, I'm, I'm challenging you to invite people. Don't just inform people about Easter services. Invite them. Challenge them to say, you know what, man, would you meet me? I'll go with you. I go to this service or what service? We have services Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, six services that, that you can choose from. Man, what service do you want to go to? Let's go to that service. Then let's go out to eat. Like, invite them. Let love be the driving force that you say, you know what? It is the love of God that it is overflowing in my life that I want to invite people. The last area is I want to challenge you to participate with us. Participate in this Easter by make sure you get your tickets. The ticketing is what helps us create a great experience for those that are their first time to come to church, we, we try very hard to create a great environment and uh, the ticketing, they're free. You just go online and get the tickets that you want and it just helps us know what services are, we're, we're able to, to accommodate people in. I want to pray with you today and I want to ask you just to bow your heads for just a few moments today. You know, if you're here today and you have never accepted Christ, I want you to know that Jesus Christ loves you so much. And he cares about you. And right there at your seat, I want to challenge you just to accept Christ, accept his love. He loves you unconditionally. Just say, Jesus Christ, would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of all of my sins today? I make you the Lord of my life. I receive your love today. Father, I also pray for every person here today. God, I thank you for their life. I thank you, God, that all of us have received your love in our heart. God, may we be reminded every single day of your love. May we be people.
that love with your love that you've shown us. We thank you for this, God, in your holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more messages and information about Creekwood Church, visit us at creekwoodchurch.com.